0: Welcome to More About Officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Reeves is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Candidates Podcast. We have two very special guests. Uh, Today we have Jess, Jessica or Jess? Jess will do.
1: Jess will do. Jess will do.
0: Yeah. So we've got Jess will do and uh, Craig Boyd who are first year cadets at the training college. So welcome to both of you. Thank you.
1: Thank
0: you. Well, one of the things for us in these sort of conversations is to learn a little bit about yourselves, um, your call to ministry, the mission of the Salvation Army that you've been involved in and and obviously uh, why you're choosing to do this in terms of become Salvation Army officers. But before we do all that, before we do all that, it would be really good to learn a little bit about both of you. So for I'm assuming a lot of people wouldn't know you. So who's going to go first? I think uh, Jessica will do. Maybe okay. if you could go first.
1: Sure thing. Um, so I was born in Bendigo. Um, then I moved to Ballarat. Oh, when I was about four, I went to live with my grandmother who has raised me for most of my life when I was five. Um, So that's been quite a great journey and she's also a Salvationist. Um, She's not an officer. She's a soldier but nevertheless it's still...
0: I've met her here, haven't I? Yes, you have. Yeah, okay, cool.
1: Yes. Most people that do meet her never forget her so she's a gem. Um. So my nan has really encouraged me in my faith journey. Um, I've been involved in ministry for quite a number of years, but mainly just in volunteer positions. But in 2014, I went up to Alice Springs to surprise one of my friends for her 21st birthday. Um, And her parents there were also really good friends of mine. And so they kept making jokes about how um, they were going to get funding for a ministry assistant and that I should apply if they ever get it. And I said, no, never moving to Alice Springs. I (laughs) wouldn't know. I love the people, but that's it. And so then about four months later, um, a position came out and I thought, oh, they actually weren't joking. They were being really serious. So I, um, I looked at the description and I thought no nah, don't think I can do this but they were encouraging me to apply and so
0: so who who were the officers at the uh, time
1: Captains Michael and Elizabeth Johnson
0: oh, okay so they were, they were my next-door neighbors in college oh, yeah lucky okay you. That's good. <laughs> just go back a little bit so yes. you you did school so did you like school
1: I did like school You're
0: involved in the church
1: Yes What did you want
0: to do when you leave school did you want to become a Salvation Army officer I
1: wanted to become a musical therapist
0: Ah yes. okay
1: But then I got lazy (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it was going to take quite a long time to get my qualifications and that. So people around me were saying, just go and apply for this course and this course and I'm thinking, no, I can't do it. But I eventually did um, work in children's services.
0: Okay, Um, great.
1: So I did a certificate three and a diploma and then I found that I had a real passion for children and being with them
0: yeah. Okay. So you so you lived in Bendigo, Ballarat. Yes. And then Ellis Springs. So just for just a sort of oh, Wodonga. Oh, Wodonga. I
1: forgot Wodonga. Oh, you,
0: you wouldn't be the first <laughs> for person ten
1: years. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
0: laughs> you lived in Wodonga for ten years. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm you're not that old. So ten years is a big part of your life. So it is. Yeah. Any, I keep any,
1: telling everyone I grew up in Ballarat. Anything
0: interesting from Wodonga?
1: Wodonga. Well, that's where I met Michael and Elizabeth.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. that Right. Um,
1: a lot of people referred to me as a mute because I would just cling to my grandmother for about ten years, and yeah. then Michael and Elizabeth came along, and they talked to me, and they're like, "We will get this girl to talk." I'm like, yeah. "No, you won't." No, oh, that's good. And I talk now.
0: And you haven't stopped talking ever since. That's, that's right. That's good. So, oh, yeah. be, so because you've you've lived in Ballarat. And Alice Springs, obviously, the temperatures are very different, just to paint a paint of visual or give people an image we're sitting in the prayer room at the college, yes, and I walked in and I wanted to put the air conditioner on, <laughs> and you've put an, a rug on because I you're have. freezing, so <laughs> I am I'm freezing. sweating like a anyway we'll, we'll we'll press on. Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself
2: um so I was born in Bendigo as well six years before Jess she decided to stalk me that far early <laughs> um, and crop around country Victoria, moving around um, and then ended up in Ballarat when I was 12. Um, my mum and I moved there. She'd met someone there and we moved in and, um, yeah, lived in Ballarat for a few years. After school, went to uni, did a um, got into a course in management and commerce, yeah. kind of following what my dad did. He was a CEO in health department and uh, bureaucracy, that kind of thing. And then I realised I didn't want that life. And so I realised what I wanted to do was teaching. So I um, transferred into a BA Ed, and became hang a on, Japanese hang teacher. What on, hang
0: on. Hang on. Well, a what?
2: Japanese teacher.
0: A BA what?
2: A uh, BA Ed. So well, I've got. For everybody
0: else, what does that mean? Uh,
2: it's a Bachelor of Arts and a Bachelor of Education. Okay. So and, and became, now I'm studying my third bachelor's degree.
0: Okay. And you're a <laughs> Japanese teacher. Yes. Say something in Japanese. Konnichiwa. I mean, I know nothing about Japanese, and I could have said that. Okay, you can do
1: better than that. So uh,
0: you come. You, so you've you've got all this experience. How old are you? Do you mind me asking?
2: Uh, I'm 29. Yep. I'm
1: 23.
0: Okay, you're 23, and you have forgot 10 years of your life in Wodonga. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so you're both at college now. Um, you had some. You've had lots of experience, ministry experience, or you've had some ministry experience. You find yourself at college. What's it like being at college? Now you've. Do you want to tell your story? when you came here, so it's fairly new in lots of ways, but um, what's it like? You've sort of entered in um, a part of the program. What's what's it been like for you?
2: (laughs) Um, So at the start of this year, Jess and I were actually accepted as auxiliary lieutenants. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were anticipating our appointments to be announced to be moving to Darwin to do ministry there from Alice Springs, and then within a week, things started to change for us and then we were told our options uh, moving forward were a bit different and so we actually became cadet in appointment in Alice Springs. Okay. Um, And so we've only just moved to the college a month ago yesterday.
0: Yeah, so it's now, uh, what are we in, November? Mm. It's my birthday this month but we're in November and so it's it's not normal for people to enter into training college in October. Uh, What's that been like?
2: It's been really different. So, because we work at an appointment, we had a, a reduced study load. So, the idea was we're oh, two and and a half days a week of study and two and a half days a week of appointment. Yeah. More often than that, we were probably more often than not we were doing five or six days a week of appointment and getting uh, so gaining some great experience. Um, but now that we're down here and we don't have that appointment happening, our reduced study load is it's become really apparent. So, we've got more time to actually relax a bit more, invest in ourselves but also in the community here. Yeah.
0: And spiritually, you know, sort of would have been a big change and involved in that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's been really great. So we didn't realise how much we were missing out on until we arrived here and we find that there's um, community prayers every Tuesday. There's spiritual days.
2: There's our Monday spot lunch.
1: Yes. Oh, the
0: lunch. That's yep. it. So there's a lot of, lot of community. Absolutely. But you you would have had community in Alice Springs. Just would have been we different. Did. And you have a, a different role within that community. So this is a bit more receiving, I suppose. Yes. Being mm. here as opposed to being the ones that have to to lead it all. To lead lead some of that. Yep. Um, so you've you've made this transition. You're here now. Tell us a little bit about your calling into ministry. Because I mean, that's a, quite a varied pathway to be, apply to become an auxiliary lieutenant. You think you're going up to the top, you end up halfway and now you're, I don't say you're at the bottom, but you, you've ended up at the college. So you're making your way to Tasmania just to give you a, a heads up. But what, what, what's that whole experience been like um, to get to this point? This is, this is a very big question. so I'm, I, w- I will be quiet in a second. So you got to this point here, but you're calling. Tell us about your calling. You're 23. You're 20 what? 29. 29. Um How did you get to the point where you said actually God has called me to do this and what did you wrestle with uh, as part of that?
1: Okay. I've got to keep this short. (laughs) We don't Um, have to. Okay. All right. So
0: We want to know. We're we're interested. People are listening.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I've always grown up um, in the Salvation Army. I attended junior soldiers. I went to Sunday school. I was in timber brigades and that and I always – I always knew that God was there um, and that I love God, Jesus loves me, this I know and all that. But it wasn't until um, January of 2010 when I went to a youth camp called Insane, which is now Summer Carnival. Um,
0: Which is in Victoria for those of you who don't know. It
1: is in Victoria. It was in Geelong. No, no, it wasn't in Geelong. I can't even remember where it was. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Somewhere in Melbourne. Um, And anyway, I'd gone through a pretty rough patch emotionally and spiritually and um, there was a lot of resentment towards my parents who had hurt me and there was just a lot of my past that I was still holding on to and I think, yeah, it was Rowan Castle um, was preaching about – Peter walking on water, and um, taking and how Peter took that step out of the boat and left everything behind. Yep, and that really that resonated um, with me.
0: Sorry, go on. No, you go. No, no. What what did you leave behind?
1: What did I leave behind? I I left behind the anger and resentment um, towards my parents, and found forgiveness um, in that. And since then I – so at the moment I don't have a relationship with my mother but I'm at peace with that. My father, um, he has, he's, has a mental illness and so that is what caused everything um, years ago and so he is now – how do I say this? I don't want this in. Um, he has also had a pretty big life transformation um, he realised that what he was doing was causing hurt and grief to a lot of people, and that if he didn't stop, that he would lose me. So the way he told it, to, um, explained it to me, was he woke up one day, he looked at a photo of me, and he's like, "I can't do this anymore." And that day, he went to the doctors that he'd been putting off for 15 years. He wow. went and got, um, he went and sought help. He went and got a case manager. Went and got some. Well, the case manager then got him some permanent accommodation, and he wasn't constantly traveling around. And now my dad is one of my best friends. We've been able to um, reconcile that broken relationship. Um, So yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I didn't. I didn't know that. So that I wasn't trying to get (laughs) something out of you. No, 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 not at all. Because. (laughs) So you, I know I've said this before, you're 23, you went to the Summer Carnival in 2010, yes. so that's seven years ago. So you, you have to leave behind, there's the resentment, there's anger and then you find forgiveness. And mm. So what, what motivates you to become a Salvation Army officer? Is it that?
1: I guess so. Um, like I see a lot of hurt and brokenness in the world. And a lot of the times I just I want to fix it but I've also had to take a step back and go I can't fix the world. <laughs> and one thing Michael and Elizabeth said when I went to Alice Springs was that you can't, you can't save everyone. And I just all I wanted to do was save them but I couldn't. So I think that was some there was some real truth in what they had to say there but that didn't mean that I couldn't go out into the community and help where I could. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. It's very personal, but it's it's very real and it it helps us get get a better understanding um, of your calling. What about you, Craig? You're teaching Japanese somewhere or what what happened?
2: Um, Well, backtrack a little bit before that is that I'm First Generation Salvation Army. I'm the only person in my family involved at all actually within a church full stop. Um, But I remember And I grew up in Ballarat, and I used to drive past on or go past on the bus the Salvation Army Church, and I thought, oh, I never want to go in there. And then a year later, I was there three or four times a week. Well, hang on, (laughs) what
0: do you mean? I mean, I drive past a lot of places, but I don't think I'd never want to go in there. But how? Why did you never want to go in
2: there? Well, I didn't know the Salvation Army was a church. Okay. I just thought it was uh, <laughs> it was an integrated mission site, and so it was the the core and social welfare in together, not just in the one building, but actually fully integrated. So this is Ballarat. This is Ballarat. So yeah. do you
0: know Diane Romari? Yes. Oh, oh, I
1: love Diane.
0: Oh, I'm sorry about that because so Diane married us, oh, Claire and I. Yeah.
1: She nearly married us. My yes. old, my old
0: mate Boof. Oh, I love her a bit. So anyway, we'll, we'll carry. <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about that later. So um, you go past this building. You don't want to go in. You go yeah. in at some point. What happens? Yeah.
2: Um, so I thought, I don't ever want to go in there. I don't, ever, I don't want, to be, never want to be in that kind of position where I need to get help from the Salvation Army. Then the next year I'm in there helping people. Um, so I went along to a Youth live XO night in 2007 and Reggie Dabs was preaching and I gave my life to Christ that night. I went along with the Salvation Army youth group, or two core in Ballarat and was combined to go to this event. Then the next week, um, my friends were now, um, Officers in um, Tasmania, Mark and Belinda Smith. Uh, they, I met them that night and they were leading church the next week. So I thought, I'll go along and support them. It's around the corner from my house. And then all of a sudden, I found myself falling into doing um, sound desk and learning all the media side of things. And the next year, Uh-oh. when They've I got you, <laughs> next year I, became, I went into my teaching degree. And then halfway through the year, I got a tap on the shoulder Oh, um, we need a new children's ministries coordinator. And uh, we feel that it would be the right role for you. And so then I fell, fell into um, into doing children's ministries and youth ministries and um, getting really involved in the life of the core. Um, and then I met Jess in the end of 2011 when she moved back to Ballarat from Wodonga. And I'd been open at that point for officership. I went to the Kingdom Come Youth Camp in Sydney in 2011. Oh, yeah. And I, or to, it was a workshop time. And I went into the one about officership, thinking, "All right, I think God wants me to do this. He's been talking to me about it since commissioning '09. I think this is what He wants, but I don't know anything about it." So I went into this seminar thing, and there were five of us in the room: someone who was the candidate secretary, there was a cadet, there was me, there was someone who walked out the door within a minute of it starting.
0: (laughs) Do you (laughs) know who that was? No, (laughs)
2: that's that might have been the cadet,
0: and then (laughs) and then you,
2: yeah, and me. and so I sat there, I listened, asked a couple of questions and then I went next door for the next workshop, which was about evangelism, how to share your faith. And the person who was running that made a comment as a few of us were walking in the door saying, oh, I see you all just sheepishly walk past the college. You don't want to go in there. And then the door shut. We started that, that workshop and someone got locked out of the door and they wanted to get in. And so I stood up, I walked across the room to let them in and the guy goes, see, he knows he needs to be next door. He needs to be in college. He needs to become an officer. And I'd actually just been praying about it a few minutes earlier saying, God, if you really want me to do this thing, make it undeniable. Make it that I can't hide from it anymore. Make it that it's said in a clear way. And, and make it public. <laughs> and make it public that I can't hide anymore. Actually, I think I do remember, I remember saying something like that to him, you know, make it that everyone knows about this thing. Yeah. And so I went back to my core a couple of weeks later. And I set up a time to meet with the officers at Ballarat and they just encouraged me at that point that I was 21 and yes, they could see God's calling on my life and that I could do some great things for him in through uh, Him through me. But I was halfway through my teaching degree and well, maybe actually what I need to do is finish my teaching degree and get some life experience. Because I said, I don't think I'd be able to counsel, some, counsel someone who's going through a marriage breakdown when... I actually haven't had a real serious relationship at this point. I haven't had to worry about my finances and paying rent and having bills and how am I putting food on the table? How can I help someone that's going through that? So I need to have some of these experiences to actually be more effective at ministry. Okay. So you did. You're here. Yeah.
0: You, do you remember the officer or whoever's doing the presentation about evangelism who said you should be an officer?
2: No. All I can remember about him is that he was bald. <laughs> he was oh, yeah. from the Eastern Territory. Yeah. And I've spent the last probably 18 months trying to rack my brain. What was his name? Was it this person? Was it that person? Who was it? I can't remember who it was.
0: I, I reckon I know who it might be. I don't want to – I won't add him <laughs> on the podcast, but I reckon <laughs> I know who it was. Okay. Um, so you're now here. You're doing – you've answered the call, called by God to to serve as officers. So you're doing your training the training stuff, we, I mean you could talk about the training stuff but, you know, training's training, it's a lot of practicals, a lot of um, some theory stuff, it's a lot of experience. I want to I get to the mission stuff because I think that's really sure. important. You you guys are, have a missional heart, you know. you yeah. I, I see that um, in the short time that we've sort of known each other but I also see you know, in the ex- places that you've gone, No one, you don't get Alice Springs just for fun. You know, you you don't do some of the ministries that you've been involved in. So the missional heart of God, how does that, is that reflected in your lives?
2: So for me, it's about bringing about restoration and a holistic approach. Um, I grew up in and around churches a little bit um, as a child. And I remember thinking, great, you're telling us a story about how God loves us, but I know the situations that people are going home to. I knew the situation I was going home to. And I thought, great, God loves us, but what does that mean for us here and now? And one of the big things that I found through the Salvation Army and through the mission and ministry Jess and I have done in Alice Springs is that it is a holistic approach. We try and actually minister to the whole person. It's not just about filling someone's head with the love of God. It's about filling the life with the love of God. Um one of the early things in the Salvation Army about soup, soap and salvation. And that's the type of ministry and the mission that we've done, especially in Alice Springs.
0: Jess, do you want to tell us a little bit about ministry in Alice Springs, interacting with people and just the the mission of the Salvation Army in in that place?
1: Oh, man, I don't know where to start. The ministry experience was very rich for me. Um, The people we are working with are some of the most marginalised in society. And so um, during my time in Alice Springs, I had an English as a Second Language Bible study, um, which was open to the Indigenous, but also in my time there, I think it was last year, um, the attendance, we also had people of... um, Asian descent and Indian and so there were – it was quite a multicultural group. Um, so that was very rewarding. Um, Craig and I love doing children's ministry. We did it in Ballarat and we did it in Alice Springs. And the kids we are working with are just – I can't think of the word. They're special. Yes, <laughs> All kids are special but these ones, they just melted our hearts and they still are <laughs> um, even when we look back in photos. They're kids that just appreciate you doing life with them. They don't need their iPads or their technology or anything like that. They yeah. just need you to sit with them.
0: They need you to be present. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, we also had... One guy who I love talking about, and people will be sick of me soon talking about him. Um, But his name is Warren, and he gave his heart to Jesus in 2014 after Michael and Elizabeth did a sermon series on making your house a holy home. And they gave, um, they made up plaques for people to take home. And Warren has his, at his town camp, he's put his my house is a holy home on his door. And so um, Michael and I would go and do pastoral visits with him and there would be people coming in that were intoxicated and um, quite angry and bitter and Warren would say, you're not like Jesus, don't come into my house and be like this, my house is a holy home and it's things like that and then he kept coming up to me and asking for a tin of paint. I'm like, "Why why do you why would someone want a tin of paint?" And he said, "I want to paint." <laughs> okay. So we went and got him a tin of paint and then he came to us the next Sunday and said that he'd painted his house and he'd done his front yard and we we're like, "Oh, okay." So we went and visited him and he'd painted well he'd Man- manually handled all these tyres and made this beautiful walkway and made his home inviting. Um, what else had he done? He, he, he'd made an arch.
2: He dragged these bol- uh, small boulders but he dragged them himself up to five kilometres away to his front yard, positioned them along his driveway and then painted them white.
1: Yep. And then before we left, he'd come up to me and said, I need paint. I said what do you want paint for now, Warren? And he's like, oh, I want to paint. I said, okay. So we took a tin of paint, but this time we decided, we're like, oh, he's probably going to paint his tyres. And we got there and he'd done an even bigger feature in his garden of tyres and rocks and it just looked beautiful. So we decided to go out and paint with him. And that was probably... That's probably one of the biggest highlights was just sitting and painting with him. Most of it was done in silence but every now and then he would crack a joke but silence in the Indigenous culture is very um, important and powerful. So
0: So they're they're not, um, it's not your run of the mill mission (laughs) expression, is it? It's very unique to to Alice and... Um, to the to the communities, and you talk about you know the town sort of camp sort of stuff. That's we, we a lot of people wouldn't understand what that means, but for someone to actually say this, my house is a holy home, or mm. you know that that's a, a significant thing.
1: And then that made like a ripple effect and impact in his community. Yeah. He would start um, painting next door's house, and then yeah. so forth, and that was really inspiring. Oh, that's good.
0: What are, what are your hopes <clears throat> for the future, the Salvation Army? You're you're in you 're going to be in it for a long time um, what do you hope for what do you where do you, or where do you see God at work um,
2: and how do you want to partner with him that 's a tough one mm. um, I know a few of us were discussing um, this week we went out for ice cream we were discussing where would we want to be appointed it's still oh yes a while away for our session it 's a year away for Jess and i it's still probably about two years away, given that we 've had a reduced study load and everything with our appointment in Alice Springs. Um, and people are saying, oh, I want to go here, I want to go there. But for me, it's actually not about where I go, but it's about what I do. <clears throat> yeah. And I actually said um, to the spot staff in our session, I don't want to be in a core and have our Sunday service and that's it. It needs to be more than that. And I also don't want to be sitting in a social program and running a drug and alcohol program, whatever it may be, and that's it. It needs to be about that bigger picture of integration of holistic approach. Um, and so for me, I don't care really where we go. Darwin would be nice. Um, but
0: <laughs> – Just throw that in.
2: Yeah, just throw that in there if you're listening. Okay. No.
0: So so Jess, what, what about you? What do you see? What are your hopes for the future?
1: I think I'm in a similar boat um, with Craig. Like – we, we sign up for officership to go wherever we're sent without complaint. You just, I guess, you just make it work wherever you go. Obviously, God has put you there. And so it's important to follow through with the will and the plan he has for your life. It's Jeremiah 29.11 says that he has plans not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much for chatting. It's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. And um, we learn more. But we also, I just kind of feel like you guys are going to have a ministry of reconciliation. You know, I think you talked about your, you and your father, this reconcil- reconciling mm. with him. But I think to lead other people into to reconciling their relationship with, with Christ. And I think that's a really important thing. So is there any question that I did not ask that you wish I had asked? No, you're taking taking too long, so (laughs) we're we're out. So, guys, thanks very much. If you want to leave a comment on the uh, Facebook page, you can. Or if you've got a question, um, leave it below and uh, we'll follow it up. Also, if you want to subscribe to iTunes, then you'll get them uh, as soon as the podcast come up on a Thursday, you'll get them straight to your device. So, uh, thanks for listening and we'll uh, chat soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local Corps officer or Candidate Secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?